0: Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan King, host of the and Homers and Podcast, part of SB Nation's network and Crimson and Cream Machine. Uh, we've got a uh an SB Nation alum here uh now with ESPN and Bill Conley. He's the uh college football kind of stats guru, godfather. Uh he's got a, a big piece out uh, on the uh the kind of you know rise of the spread offense. Obviously, the Oklahoma Sooners have had a big hand in this, so Wanted to go ahead and uh, bring him on to uh, talk a little bit more about it. So, uh, let's welcome him on, Bill. How you doing, man? I'm pretty good. How are you? Ah, doing well, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. So, first of all, I gotta ask, how's your quarantine going?
1: Um, I think living in the middle of the country finally paid off for for something. Um, <laughs> it hasn't been nearly as bad for us, I would assume, as as it you know those who are a little more threatened, but. Um, but we've been plodding along. Did the homeschooling thing? Got the got the mother-in-law working from our basement because they don't have internet at their house, and mm. um, it's been an adventure of its own. Can't can't complain though. Could be a lot worse.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now I gotta ask: Has Missouri started kind of opening up? I mean, I'm assuming that they'd be on the forefront of this, but uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean you can go to a restaurant if you want to we were we did carry out before it was cool so we're just yeah. gonna keep right on doing carry out but yeah it's opened up a little bit um and you know columbia i went to pick up food on, i think last saturday columbia was uh, definitely pissier than it had been but not not full-on saturday afternoon in may kind of columbia mm-hmm. which is i mean which is good everybody seems to be uh well not everybody a decent number of people seem to be trying to you know respect space and all that other stuff and and still get out a little bit and um i mean this is the this is going to be the next part of the challenge this is going to be the next few months
0: yeah so you haven't gone to get like a tattoo or a massage or any of the (laughs) other things not yet i mean that was such a a weekly thing
1: for me it was hard to (laughs) give up the tattoos and the massages but so far we've uh we've withheld that fair enough fair enough man
0: well hey uh so you know uh, getting into this uh, piece i mean this is pretty comprehensive you talked obviously to a ton of different people around the uh, football world but um i guess my question would be kind of like why now you know because really i think that i mean and you even kind of point to this in your piece i mean the spread really kind of took over in college football as the kind of uh default offense you know really a couple you know probably five years ago maybe you know so so why now for this piece
1: um well as a narrative device I think LSU was just too easy to or too it it was too good to pass up like I just found you know I found myself writing about 13 different times last fall you know well LSU adopted the spread and now they've got the best offense ever and it just it kind of seemed like a punctuation mark to a certain degree um, and so I wanted to use that as a, as a narrative device, as a way to just kind of trace back how we got to this point. And um, the idea of, you know, the spread being dead, the, you know, now the the spread revolution is dead, the spread won. That was kind of a nice little hook, I thought. And so we just took off from there. Um, just looked back at at kind of the different strains of spread, of what we called the spread offensive at any, any given time and, and tried to piece together exactly how we got to, LSU, big burly man ball LSU, adopting the spread and, and, and dominating with it.
0: Right. Um, and so I guess then, you know, in your – I guess in your conversations then with I mean, people around the country, especially I guess defensive coordinators would be hmm. my, my my question. How do they – I mean, has this changed – have they been able to discuss how they've it's changed kind of their strategy, you know, or their the way they approach just – generally defending uh you know modern offenses
1: yeah i mean i i wanted to make sure like i well i would have written this piece regardless but i wanted to make sure for this piece to talk to kevin Steele um mm-hmm. because he's number one he's been around forever but number two like he he coached in big 12 country and kind of failed coaching in big 12 country as the spread was coming up uh he was clemson's offensive or defensive coordinator when west virginia scored 70 in the Orange yeah. Bowl. Um, and then, you know, so that was kind of his his reputation was completely shot as a defensive coach at that point. And then whatever it is, eight seasons after giving up 70 in the Orange Bowl, he's one of the two or three defensive coaches who who seem to have the best read on how to defend this. And, um, you know, I love the evolution. I love failure as a teacher. Uh-huh. Um, and so that was – I was really curious what, what he was able to do. And, I mean, the first thing he'll tell you is that talent matters. Um, you know no matter what ideas he has Auburn's got four-star kids to to implement whatever he's trying You're to right. implement and um, and that helps a lot but he just talked about being able to you know you get, give a quarterback a false read on every single play just figuring out ways to make quarterbacks read something they they're not actually reading um, and that's been a, a big part for him and, and being able to put you know being able to put DBs on slot receivers, uh, and you know, to where they can act like linebackers and blitz, so they can—they're uh, just big enough to cover the run, but then they can also actually cover slot receivers. Um, just, be, just trying to catch up from a from a multiplicity kind of standpoint, and uh, I think that's really for for him. I think that's been the biggest thing: uh, mixing talent with just a, a, a being able to confuse offenses as much as offenses are trying to confuse defenses.
0: Right. Now, obviously, Oklahoma's had a big hand in a lot of this. I mean, you know, uh, Mike Leach, uh, when he came uh, with along with Bob Stoops in the 2000s, you know, really kind of ushered this era in in the Big 12. And you see it prol- proliferate. But, uh, but um, you mentioned that Kevin Wilson, you feel like, is a really kind of underrated
1: figure in all this. Can, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I, I wanted to see if I could write this piece without talking to Mike Leach or Hal Mummy, First of all, because I feel yeah. I feel like they've been they've they've had their say, um, and <laughs> yeah. obviously obviously they've you know the way I structured these two pieces they had a big role to play in it. But yeah, I, I wanted to talk to other people. Um, and the, the on offense, I, you know, the Kevin Steele for offense was Kevin Wilson. Um, I you know if you talk to you know. Well, my my friend Chris Brown, our friend Chris Brown mm-hmm. from Smart Football, um, we we interacted on Twitter a decent amount about you know should have included this should have talked more about like the Dennis Erickson one back offenses and right. things like that and and just some of the the true the route combinations and the tactics, <coughs> excuse me, on display there, but I I I think my brain is more big picture and I don't think anybody in in coaching did as important a job of mashing together. Arid principles with, with with power running principles uh, like he did. He was part of obviously you know what they did at Northwestern in in two thousand where um, you know he and Randy Walker show up to Northwestern in ninety nine. They were big successes in the nineties uh, at Miami of Ohio. Um, they go and try to run their I formation in the, in the big 10 and just get dominated because they don't have the the talent for it. And uh, they don't have the pieces for it. And so they knew they had to do a little something different. So they sucked it up. They hated the spread, but they uh, just out of principle, they didn't want to throw the ball all the time, but he goes to Clemson talks to offensive coordinator, Rich Rodriguez uh, about, you know, the principles of their kind of their, their run heavy spread. Um, and, and goes back to Evanston and and kind of just uses their plays from a different formation to a certain degree. And Damian Anderson rushes for 2,000 yards. They want to share of the Big Ten. Um, and, and so they saw right then that it could, you know, w- you could ha- have your power principles, but, but uh, you know, modernize a little bit. And it worked really well. So then he goes to OU. Uh, inherits personnel that was, uh, you know, air raid based because of Mike Leach's one year there because of Mark Mangino, who who did a little, who, who was a little more balanced than Leach uh-huh. in 2000 and in 2001. Uh, but he, uh, Stoops wanted to be able to run the ball more. And and so he looked at Kevin Wilson and, and Wilson over the period of five, six, seven years, figured out how to take the, you know, be able to run when you need to run, be able to go full air raid when you need to go full air raid. And um, he, you know, over time, I think he was what. He, at first, he was co-coordinator with Chuck Long, and mm-hmm. then Long goes to San Diego State, right? And he's and he's sole coordinator, and eventually Stoops says, "You know, I want to, I want to go real fast now." Like that wasn't necessarily yeah. a piece right at the first, and it all just kind of came together. He he kind of stumbled on this recipe of. Um, what? How did he put it? I can go from big to little without substituting because you've got guys like Jermaine Grisham who can line up wide or be a real tight end. Or you can, uh, I think he mentioned Brody Eld, uh, Eldridge being able to mm-hmm. be an H back or a fullback or a whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had all these Demarco Murray who could line up uh, in the slot yeah. or in at running back. He had all these pieces, and he just started playing with them, and and it took a couple of years for uh, defenses to catch up because they could have so many different looks without substituting. They could go as fast as anybody. Um, And I think, you know, it was his, he had as much uh, of a role to play as anybody in that vision of well-rounded offense that can go fast or slow, that can run or pass, that can uh, be as multiple as anything. Um, And, and, you know, they scored 60 plus points for however many games in a row that one year.
0: Right, um, and Lincoln Riley obviously is uh, kind of you know uh, Wilson might have been kind of laid this laid the foundation for this, but right. it feels like Lincoln Riley's kind of taking it to another level. Oh and, yeah, you know what I? What really sticks out to me though about this is that you know most of the uh, air raid or spread guys gurus, I mean they're almost all you know seen as like quarterback guys. Yeah, Wilson, you know, coached tight ends, full uh, fullbacks, offensive line. Um, and obviously with Lincoln Riley, I think that Bill Biedenbow, their yeah. offensive line coach there, you know, I mean, he, he has played a big role. I mean, obviously he was with Hogle for a while, Dan part pardon me at uh, West Virginia. So he's had a big role in this, but it seems like the thing that Oklahoma's done throughout this, that has kind of put them on the the forefront is incorporating kind of offensive line play also into or, or giving it more attention i
1: guess yeah what was it was it the year they lost to georgia in the rose bowl the, the, was that the year that they had that like nine minute clock killer drive against texas tech to end the game yeah um, yeah like that that's always I, yeah that's always been kind of a uniqueness for oklahoma and and it was funny too because um i think it was that year because heading into the rose bowl writing about the rose bowl you could hear you know talking to georgia fans they just had this image of Oh, use a high-tempo pass-all-the-time offense, Uh, Mm -hmm. and and it just wasn't at that point. They weren't hardly using tempo at all. Um, They could, I guess, at at times, but that wasn't a part of the uh, identity for for Lincoln Riley. It wasn't part of Cliff Kingsbury's identity, really, when he went to the pros. That was kind of the same deal, you know, talking to NFL people about, you know, will this hurry-up thing work in the pros? Like, well, he doesn't hurry up, so it's not an issue. So I think... Um, the well this there was key. Just having a having an offense that can move the ball quickly when it needs to, can kill clock when it needs to—a a very situational offense. That's where uh, OU has always kind of been uh, at the forefront. But yeah, Riley has certainly um, not shied from that. You can—they can run the ball as well as anybody when they want to.
0: Right, and I think though, like from a more of a ten thousand foot view, I, I guess I, the way I look at this is that you know, back in 2008, I think that what Bob Stoops did that was uh, so kind of uh, ahead of the curve is that he looked at how these offenses were kind of serving as, you know, they were the ultimate kind of uh, upset machine, right? Right. And the way that you avoid getting upset is by, you know, instead be saying we're going to be the best out of all of this group, you know, and it's kind of I think fed on itself though, like o- over time to where now you get this, it's harder to recruit defense as 12, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean like it, uh, it's just, uh, what can, I guess, so, you know, programs that are so, you know, spread, spread centric. I mean, you know, what can they do to, I guess, maybe avoid falling into that, that trap, so to speak?
1: I mean, it's, it's a very tricky question. Um, we've seen it even from Alabama, their last, you know, if, if you want to see it, you can see it. Let's put it that way. Alabama, right. yeah. the last couple defenses haven't been quite as good. The better their offense gets, the worse their defense gets, supposedly. I mean, yeah. they were they had a couple bad injuries. They were crazy young in the front seven. I'm not worried about their defense at yeah, all. Yeah, right. Uh, but same way with LSU. They, um, they got involved in a track meet against Texas, uh, good old Big 12 track meet against Texas. Yeah. The, the, all their guys just wear down in the third quarter. A couple of them get hurt. Um, and it kind of served the same premise. Like for the next month, their defense was very average. Um, right. it, it, I, you know, I, I don't think there's any one answer. Uh, but I do think you know, the the more this goes on now as the quote unquote college football offense where not a lot of guys are using tempo, because really at this point last year, I mean UCF obviously hypo is gonna continue going yeah. as fast as possible. Boston College with um with uh Adazio and and his coordinator uh Bajakian, I think is how you say yeah. it. Now now he's at Northwestern, mm-hmm. which is a nice little full circle thing <laughs> Yeah. There. Um you know they were they were very very fast, and of course their defense was terrible. Right, but, um, but there aren't many. Uh, tempo is becoming less of a thing, and so if it becomes less of an issue of you're going to score on every possession, but your your defense is only going to get about ninety seconds of rest, and then they're back out there, and it's going to be a problem. Um, I don't think that continues to be an issue over time. Clemson, it's not an issue for Clemson. Clemson's been running the spread for a long time. Right. Uh, Ohio State had a great defense again last year, despite uh, being uh, just murderous on offense with Kevin Wilson, um, <laughs> in part. But, um, yeah, I, I think it becomes, you know, it's one of those things you, where you can see it if you want. I think the biggest issue for OU maybe. I mean, the Big 12 has its own, Reputation, um, right, and and they're going to also. The Big Twelve is also going to continue to kind of push the issue a little bit, um, in you know, with with the Oklahoma states of the world. But I mean, it, for for the Big Twelve, I mean, is it as much about the you know, w- what is what is Texas defensive recruiting like at the moment, right? you know, that's uh, Texas high school football in general has, ha- has long had the the reputation of being the best, like the most, like they adopted the spread real early, but it feels like, I don't know, maybe this is anecdotal, but it feels like it's, it's, it's the, the depth of defensive recruiting is a little trickier there than it is on offense right now. And, you know, when the entire conference is pulling from that state, that's going to be noticeable.
0: Right. I think that, you know, with you mentioned the adoption of the spread, I mean, that's where they're sending everybody. Right. Right. I mean, you know, that's where your best players are going. Your defensive line, potential defensive linemen are becoming left tackles, you know, I mean, (sighs) on top of that, you know, you've got, they're so big on seven on seven that it's what they're focusing on, you know I mean? So that again, you know, defensively just doesn't really work there. So, I mean, yeah, I think that that, that more than anything has been, uh, what is I think kind of hamstrung, maybe the entire league, but, um, so what becomes then the next kind of upset formula for an upstart, you know, I mean, there's an idea, you know, out there that, uh, maybe they go back to going, you know, playing more man ball. I mean, (laughs) what do you, like, like, what do you think happens?
1: Yeah. I, I, um, when I got to go down to Stillwater a few years ago, um, to talk to Gundy, I, I, well, I kind of asked him a version of that. It was like Matt Rule had just gotten there, and you know they were pretty big and physical at Temple, and and so I was asking him like, what, at, what becomes the Zig now if everybody is is getting smaller mm-hmm. and faster? How do, how do you get bigger and stronger since that's kind of the natural, you know. When defenses get too far in one direction, offenses go in the other direction. Like, what does that look like? Do you use h backs a lot more? Do you try to to slow things down and and eat the clock and all these other things? I mean, Gundy's answer was basically like, "Well, you can try to do that, but Texas Tech's still going to put 41 points on you, and you better be able to, uh, you yeah. better be you better be modern enough to figure out how to score 42 points on them." Uh, so um, it was kind of a funny answer, but I think it, it was it was a nice reminder that like. Yes, I, now we're going to see offenses trying to get bigger and stronger to take advantage of smaller defenses. But that doesn't mean I formation. Um, uh-huh. It doesn't mean like the veer or, or something like that. They're still going to it, the the best teams that figure it out. They're still going to have a great quarterback. They're still going to implement like Minnesota. Let's uh-huh. Minnesota was probably the best example to me last year of of where this could go if teams try to get bigger and more physical. Um, but maintain kind of modern, uh, a modern approach, uh, their quarterback, you know, not that he was a five-star kid, but he was uh, just ridiculously smart, very accurate. Um, and they had a big physical inside zone run game that slapped an RPO tag onto basically every single run. Um, so they, you know, because it just makes sense. Like if you, you know, if you run the ball well enough that they have to account for that, and then with the RPOs, which are basically, you know, play action passes that you're guaranteed to time right. Yeah. Um, they were able to just kill the, t- kill the other team with with slants and go routes. Um, it was just when you, when you kind of lay out what they were doing, it was the simplest offense to describe. It, it really was like inside zone, a little outside zone, decent number of slants, lots of go routes. Um, boom. There you go. Ex- except they had just the right pieces. They had an, a, a ridiculously big offensive line. Yeah, huge. Um, and not just because one guy's 400 pounds, they were all pretty <laughs> big. Um, but they were able to to do that. Their running backs were, were physical and and required more than one tackler to get them down. Uh, and then they had two to three brilliant receivers. Um, and they were able to do that in Minnesota. They, you know, this wasn't – you. Know, they, they were – P.J. Fleck has improved their recruiting, but he's not signing top ten classes. Um, and I, so I think that was a blueprint that a lot of people are going to – kind of look at Louisiana Lafayette kind of did the same thing there at the Sunbelt level um, where yes you are you you be having a quarterback who can do a lot of things is still very important and having receivers is important but you can establish a very physical presence while still kind of tacking on these modern little tweaks and I think that's what if it goes in that direction that's where it's going to go. Um, I asked Rich Rodriguez that that for this piece too, and he was talking about like you'll probably see more tight ends lined up on the on the outside a little bit, be, just getting getting better blocking presence on the outside, so you can have those quick passes that work really well that have worked really well for Ohio State these last few years. Right. Um, he he thought that would be a big thing because then you can do the multiple thing and line them up tight or wide and. Uh, do a lot with that. And of course, then I looked and like, what was it? LSU signed the best uh, tight end prospect in this class. So, mm-hmm. you know, hooray. That's uh, yeah. that, you know, of course they get to play with that toy, but um, I, you know, I, I do think you're going to see that you, you are going to see the, the you're trying to take advantage of smaller outside defenders. It's just, we're, we're not going back to the eye.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned RPOs. Is there any way we could get the uh, powers that be? I, I realize that everybody loves points, but Get the powers to be to uh, change the offensive lineman downfield rule so that, uh, like, I mean, I don't know. I look at that, it's just so unfair to give them that huge cushion. You know
1: what I mean? Yeah, I, I like points too much, so forget that. But um, <laughs> and it is funny, every single defensive coach you talk to will mention that every mm-hmm. single time because it is, it is the biggest issue. I, I'm trying to – I talked to John Haycock for this piece, too. I, I really – like, I, this was an excuse to talk to guys I've been wanting to talk to for a while. Yeah, and yeah. I took advantage, and he talked about how really that is the biggest thing because, you know, previously you would teach safeties, to like, watch the hats on the offensive line. If, if right. they are driving forward, it's a run. Uh, and now they can drive forward two or three steps, uh, and it's still a pass. And just that little thing is, is so meaningful. And again, I like points, so forget it, figure it out. <laughs> but, um, but I, I do think that's, I see, it is a tricky thing because I think even offensive guys would acknowledge that it's unfair, but, um, it, it, w- w- you know, ratings are good. And, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and points are fun, and, and having thirty-five to thirty, or forty-one thirty-eight, or whatever kind of uh, four to six forty-one was LSU Alabama last year. Yeah. Having that those that explosive point totals and the plot twists and the back and forths, um, I don't think anybody's complaining about those games, and so I don't think they'll change it. But that's obviously that's that's one thing they abso- absolutely could if they ever decided that leveling the playing field was good uh, good for the sport
0: right i you know i it's funny i asked bob stoops about this and he was just like well i mean you know they're not going to change it so why bother you just gotta gotta figure out how to uh, how to deal with it so all right well hey bill so uh any other big projects coming up i mean
1: it seems like we've all got uh, (laughs) plenty
0: of free time on our hands you know
1: right yeah we kind of switched things around a little bit this was going to be a summer project and then once everything shut down and we didn't have spring football to talk about we're like all right well let's do it um I think, I think before I know what big projects are, are coming down the pipe, we got to figure out what, uh, right. Yeah. We got to let a couple more weeks pass and figure out what the season's going to be like to figure out what time we've got. But, um, there are always ideas. There are always, uh, uh I've I got a stat heavy idea that I've been tinkering with for a couple of years that we might unleash at some point. But, uh, it's been a weird time. Uh, yeah, it's
0: me I, about it, man. Yeah, I don't
1: feel I don't feel like I've been any less busy, but um, it, it's been a really strange and uncertain thing, and it does look like we're, we're taking steps towards getting to, towards a trying to a st- see it, trying to see if the sport can establish a normal calendar for the fall. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know what I feel about it, but um, it does they're going to attempt normalcy to, to some degree. And, and we'll see if they can pull it off.
0: Right. They're pointing towards it. Okay. Last question. Uh, I know you're a big food guy, so, you know, what should I be watching, uh, in the middle of the day? It seems like that's when they really have their prime, prime stuff on.
1: Oh man. Um, well, Netflix has figured out that people like food shows. I will say yeah, that. Yeah. The, um, uh, the chef show, the thing with Favreau and, and Roy Choi, uh, huh. Uh, yeah that's uh, granted that you can watch that anytime not just middle of the day but that's been really fun just ignore the gwyneth Palcho episode that 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 threw me off the scent for for like a yeah year, um because that one wasn't very good but the other ones are are really good roy Choi is 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 kind of the muse at the moment i think he's got a couple shows that are really interesting mm-hmm. uh so just follow whatever he's doing and and then go buy some gochujang at the store and, and try to attempt some <sighs> of the recipes you see because it's uh tremendous
0: Right. So you're not like pioneer woman or, uh, you know, uh, barefoot Contessa, uh,
1: pi- you know, pioneer woman, uh, had a time and place. And, you know, we, I think we did her doctor, what was it? Dr. Pepper brisket or something at some mm. point or whatever it was. Um, you know, we've, we've done that, but we kind of, we've, we've moved on now. The other, actually, if you're, if you're on food network, the the, the new pioneer woman ish kind of person, Molly Ye, who, who's yes, like she's pioneer good woman for North Dakota. Um, She's good, and our eight-year-old loves her, so we've been watching a lot of her.
0: Yeah, yeah that that one is. I can't remember the name of the show, but yeah, no, she's good. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, Bill. Well, uh, thanks a lot, man. Always appreciate it, buddy. Absolutely. We, what was this like? When did we do this first? Like, oh, oh nine? My gosh, or something? Yeah. yeah. This is like a, we're going on like eleven or twelve years now. Yeah. You're right, man. Goodness <laughs> gracious, man. Time flies. Man. World. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, Bill, take it easy, buddy. Okay, man. You too. All right. Thanks to our guest Bill Conley of ESPN. Make sure to check out everything he's doing over there at the worldwide leader. And thanks to you all for joining us too. Uh, please make sure to rate, review, subscribe wherever it is you get your podcast it makes it a little bit easier for people to find us. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Uh, thanks again for joining us and for the blatant homers and podcasts. I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy.